Hello, I'm Phil Bronsma. I am not Greg Brady, just as I wasn't Greg Brady two weeks ago and Pierre wasn't Greg Brady last week. Greg is back from his um, study program up in Michigan, arrived home in the last day, last night, and he gets another day off from preaching. Uh, Welcome to a time of worship here at Hope Church. This is a time where we are removed from our homes, hopefully removed from our messages and emails, to reflect, to be quiet, to think about what God has for us and how we respond to that. Today is sort of a a review session. For the last two months, we've been talking about being bold, being courageous in our faith to go do something in the right direction. We're sort of going to regroup, reorient, because it's been several weeks. Why? Here's the question. Why are we doing this? Let's make sure we're still all on, you know, heading north to, because ideally we're all thinking about different things. This helps us as a church than to say, okay, here's the track that we're on. So I'll start with a conclusion, because there may be somebody here who, you know, needs to get to lunch, and if that somebody really just wants to fill in the blanks here from the conclusion slide and slip out the slide side door, it's all fine, because I come from industry, right? You always start with a conclusion, because your boss or whoever you're talking to, is not likely to hang on to a story and get to a conclusion at the end. Give them the conclusion, and if, you, if they catch some of the backstory behind it, great. I've had many presentations where we never get past the first slide. And I don't want to have a discussion on a minor point, but rather the major point. So here's the major point. Let us be bold in our faith. Because, A, Jesus said so, and B, because he's going to help us. We're not on our own. There we go. Make disciples. We're going to read from Matthew 28. Make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them. That's what Jesus tells us to do. And he follows up and says, I will be with you always. So this is not a a clockwork mechanism where I still wind watches, where you can wind up a watch and it just runs for the next day. Do you still have a wind-up watch? I've got four of them. Um, Where you can wind it. There's one model of God, not our model, that says God organized everything and he set it going and steps back. That's a clockwork mechanism image of God. That's not our image of God. Our image of God is that he is engaged with us all the time. And the last slide, which will look a lot like this one, will be think about it. Pray about it and do something. So as we go through these, the, the next 10, 15, 
12 minutes, 12 minutes now, that, that see, let's see how these things fit together. Matthew 28, familiar to, to many of us. This is the, the directions that Jesus gives to his disciples. Then Jesus came to the disciples and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely, of course, I am with you always, to the end of the age. This is a familiar verse to many of us. Perhaps so familiar it becomes a little routine. But we're going to look at it again and see if we can make it a little bit less routine so we can think about these two things. What are we called to do and what does Jesus commit to do on our behalf? And this is guidance for the entire church. It's not just for the disciples. It's a direction to the entire church. It's a large goal. It's not just for Greg. It's not just for other preachers and missionaries and seminary professors. It's for all of us. And when I say it's for all of us, it's in a sense, it's for us collectively as a whole congregation as well as for us individually. Each of us individually are not called to go browsing the, the, the parking lot at the mall. Each of us get a different section, you know, accosting everybody, accosting strangers and asking them if they've been saved yet. We all have different skills. Different, and so there's that sense of the collective call as well, that we work together with what we're good at and working together to be successful. The other piece of this is God isn't doing this for us. Remember, lo, he, he, or surely he is with us. He's not. Now, if you think about how this all works, the Holy Spirit is the, the one who bring, convicts people to open their hearts. He uses us, but Holy Spirit isn't doing this on his own where we can just sit by the back doors and just welcome all these new converts into church, sometimes that happens. Over over the past, upon occasion, we've had people who have said, I was driving down Pine Lock, and I had to turn in. Or, I haven't read the Bible since since I... Stopped going to church 30 years ago. My dad died two months ago. And one month ago, I had to read the Bible. I read the New Testament three times. And then I said to myself, I need to be in church. And she came to Hope Church. I mean, God does that. And that's wonderful. That doesn't excuse us from doing our part to be preparing people doing our little piece to get there. It's very likely, most likely, that it's going to be somebody that we know, 
a cousin, nephew, niece, neighbor that we build a relationship with, that we can invite them to something and so on. We're not going to get that down to that point. The point is we all have a role. Anita has a role helping prepare worship. So it's inviting to people. We have a role, if nothing else, to attend worship, to be here, to, to learn and to grow. And there's a bit of urgency. For a long time, the Christian church has been growing. In North America, probably since about 1700, the Christian church in North America has grown. I think the next slide, does that have the graph? Yes. A couple things happened. A lot of people moved to the United States. A lot of families had more than 2.1 children. Uh, That changed dramatically after World War II. Families got smaller. So churches didn't grow just because you had more and more kids and grandkids. And since about 1950, the Christian number of Christians in the United States has been flat. And since about 1990, these last 30 years, it's distinctly down year over year. That should be a warning call to us to say it's time to not be complacent. I grew up in, a, in an area where every couple years there was a new church being set up because there were too many people Our families had lots of kids. (laughs) And so every 10, 15 years, you had to start a new church because you just had too many people. That time is gone. Churches are shrinking. So that's a call for us to take action. We can't just duck and pretend that everything's all right. So what does this mean for Hope Church? We are a group together. There's more than two of us. We, our, our call is to work collectively to do this. To go and make disciples. Baptizing them and teaching them. When we talk about disciples, that has the word dis, same root word as discipline. So it's like, in a sense, it's like joining a soccer club. You're going to join, and you're going to get better. You're going to train. You're going to learn. I mean, there's a discipline to being a Christian, and that's the sense here. It's not, and so that's where it's expanded. Baptizing them, which is get in the door. So you've made the commitment to say, yes, I'm a Christian. And it's okay at that point that you know nothing other than that commitment that the Holy Spirit has nudged you with. So that's where the second piece comes in, into teaching and training. That's one reason why you're here. That's one reason why we have programs for elementary school kids. You have to learn. You're not going to get enough in 20 minutes on a Sunday morning to help you grow across the board. And this is where the role of the Holy Spirit really comes into play because if you think about this and say, okay, there's probably, take a, what, a three-mile circle, and there's probably a couple hundred thousand people. 
I can't do that. And the answer is, that's right. We, I can't, you can't, even if all of us collectively can't do that. But we do what we can. We use the Holy Spirit's guidance, right? So the second piece of this is the Holy Spirit is with us, helping us. Because this, the, the Great Commission, is pretty hard. If you read it, it's pretty hard. And so let's think about the collective part of it, too. Does that affect each of us? Because, oh, we got Hope Church, oh, we got Greg, we got Phil, we got Pierre, we got Anita and Stephen, and we got Jack Chrissy. I mean, how can we go... How can we go wrong? And the answer is, you still need the Holy Spirit, right? We're not just going to you know, sell tickets and get people coming in the door. The Holy Spirit guides guides and trains us, too, as we read the Bible, as we talk with Christian friends. Romans 12. Just as each of us has one body with many members, namely Hope Church or Christianity with many members, these members do not all have the same function. So also in Christ... We, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Okay, we're a team. Those of you that, that, that work or have worked, every organization has a team. If you have a school teacher, you have aides and administrators and, and custodians and repair people. If you work in industry, you have people that do A and B. and You work the same thing here. Greg has particular skills. I have particular skills. Each person is given some skills. God doesn't care if Billy Graham is not a member of our church. You know, with with tent ministries that bring in hundreds of... He takes everybody at the same level as Christians, gives them gifts and expects us to use them. So that's where we're starting from. We all have gifts. They're all different, but they're all gifts. And our role then as members is to say, okay, what, what can we all do to get things done? Some people have a big call for this. Abraham, we talked about that last week. Uh, Moses got a big call and a burning bush in the middle of a desert. A lot of people had quiet calls. Hannah, which we talked about two weeks ago. Joseph, Jesus' dad. You know, he was t- talked to by an angel, but usually at night. And after Jesus' birth, we don't hear of him again in the Bible. So he's a re- And you think about us, my mom and dad. None of you except Carol know who my mom and dad are. But they had a quiet call to serve. Same thing with Carol's mom and dad. A quiet call to serve in their role, working, raising kids, going to church, and being engaged in the life of the church. So, lots of us have a quiet call and that's not a reason to not participate. That's my main point here. Not a reason to not participate. Because most Christians 
have a quiet call. But remember, we have different gifts according to the grace, according to the, the grace that God gives us, the gifts that God gives us. Sometimes they're secular gifts. Sometimes they're spiritual gifts. They can all be used for God's benefit. I learned early on in my career, I got trained for something at work. Huh. Sooner or later, that skill was relevant either in a nonprofit or at church. God was preparing me. He helped me understand profit and loss statements, financial reviews of a business. Well, in a year or two, I had an opportunity to help organize a nonprofit. And say, okay, here's a real basic cash flow spreadsheet to keep track of things. God uses all sorts of skills. And then here we are with, with, with 100 plus people with hundreds of skills. This is a call for us to work collectively. And now here's a bit of the challenge. We've, we've read these verses. Oh, many of us have seen, heard, read these verses, and it can be a little stale to say, okay, I've heard it. It's really not me. You know, I think I'm called to something else. But what I want to now focus on is the role that God plays to help us change our habits. If you've ever tried to change a habit, it's hard. And the, whatever our spiritual habits are right now, changing those habits is hard because we have our daily and weekly routines and making a substantial, even a small change is hard. And here's the good part, that we have God's help. Here's one last piece to this from Heidelberg Catechism, question and answer number one, which is the best question in the whole catechism. Catechism is a, a literary tool which teaches through the form of questions and answers, frequently used in especially Protestant Christianity. That's where that word gets used, but it really means anything. It is not to be confused with a catacomb. Okay, so question and answer number one. What is your only comfort in life and in death? The answer here is that I am not my own, but belong, body and soul, in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And now here's the part that that I want to bring in, the second part of this. Because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. Okay, so here's the third piece of what God does for us. We are now wholehearted. We are, because I belong to Christ, he makes me wholeheartedly willing and able. We get skills from God that we develop through our life. And we are assured that God is with us to the end of the age, which for us is going to be when we pass on and we go to heaven. Plenty long enough. This is not a a 30-day money-back guarantee. (laughs) This is a lifetime guarantee, right? 
And that's really what I want us to, to, to rely on here is we can't do this ourselves, but we know, and part of, our, the, the, part of our dilemma still is, we're still sinful, we're still, uh, I'm not quite sure. And this is where the task for us is to work on this, to say, oh, I need to pay attention to this. If you've been really thoughtful and, 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 and worked on this five or ten years ago, let's, let's do it again. So, the first slide all over again. We are told, collectively and individually, to make disciples, to bring them to faith and baptism, to help them learn in their faith, And the good part is that God does a lot, almost all, God does the heavy lifting. He wants us. He has made us wholeheartedly willing and able. He gives us the gifts, and he's going to be our coach throughout our entire lives. Hooray. The challenge for us is to really to get on board, changing our habits, being willing to take a step back and say, hmm, is this what I should be doing? Should I be thinking about something else? Should I be learning something else? Should I be developing my faith in a way that's more beneficial? As I grow in faith, can I grow in substance some other place? If you're not sure, sign up for Lindy's Follow Me class. You're going to get a bunch of time reading the Bible, discussing with your Christian friends, what does this mean? And again, it's going to be, what does it mean collectively? What does it mean to be, to be individually? Because this doesn't, is not going to happen for you in 45 seconds. You want to think about it. You want to say, God, how does this work for me? And I think the follow me discipleship plan is a really, if if you're not quite sure, sign up for it. It's A, it's really low risk, right? You don't have to pay 500 bucks to take this class as if it were the University of Phoenix. You get a chance to see how, how it works for you and think about something like that or some other Bible study time. Or a personal time of reflection to say, what does it mean for me to follow this commission? How can I work either myself at work or at home or at the grocery store or library, wherever, with Hope Church or some other Christian organization? How can I do that next step of participation? Be bold. Be deliberate. Remember, God has made me willing, wholeheartedly willing to serve him. He has given me skills. I might not know how to use them yet. I might not. And it's okay to be a beginner. Everyone starts as a beginner. And the third point here is God promises that he's going to be with us. And you have a bunch of friends where you can try something. You don't have to, you're not going to be a beginner. 
whatever it is that you end up doing. Try it for two weeks, three weeks. If you're, not, if you're interested in, in teaching elementary Sunday school or an elementary thing, are you not sure? Hmm. Shadow somebody for, for a few times to see what, does this, does this really work for me? It may be that you find second graders are just a delight to interact with for an hour. Maybe not. It's okay. Do an experiment. Don't, you don't have to commit to a two-year program of this or that. We can try things out, right? That's okay. But take it, take it seriously. This is not something where we say, hey, God, if I have some spare time, and I can squeeze you in a Tuesday afternoon. No. Please join me in prayer. God, our heads know that you have made us wholeheartedly willing and ready to serve you. Our heads know that you have given us gifts and skills that we can use to serve and honor you. And our heads know that you're our coach, our guide, you're with us the whole time, we have the Holy Spirit in our hearts, it's still hard to make decisions. It's hard in many cases to be bold and deliberate with living out in our faith in that next step from wherever we are. So God even at this very first step, help us. Guide us, each of us, to do some reflection. Whether it's in a church setting, discussions with friends, a Bible study, or a training class, please guide us and help us to be bold for you to take advantage of what the Holy Spirit does for us and with us and through us. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, we pray. Amen.